Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ooh, it's Star Wars. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Blaster Cannon, episode 19. I am just one of your humble hosts, Paul Herman. Today I am joined by with Megan Krause. Greetings. And Saf, I don't know her last name, and she won't reveal it to me or anyone else. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And together we are Blaster Cannon. We have this episode, we have a lot to talk about. We, uh, we've been gone for a little bit. Uh, we're going to touch on a few things, but our main topic is going to be obviously the new Star Wars movie, Solo, a Star Wars story, which is still a mouthful to say, by the way, is we're going to talk about that for our main topic. But we have a couple of things we're going to get to first. First thing is uh, there was a new Forces of Destiny episode, and which, to my surprise, I totally forgot about until like literally about an hour ago. <laughs> And I'm glad Megan reminded me. So let's talk about this because this actually ended up being really adorable. Um, and that's kind of been my my main like kind of theme with these with these episodes. Like I think they kind of started off like decent, and they've kind of I didn't really know where they were going with it. I feel like they've really hit their stride. The ones before with like you know Ray chasing the Porgs and and, and Sabine and, and and her brother Tristan you know flying around the, the Mandalorian statue. Like I feel like they, they've really kind of tapped into what what can these little episodes can be. But uh, with this episode with Kira, I loved it. Like it was basically for those you know who are wondering, you can watch it. It's only two minutes, but. Without spoiling it, it's just basically, you know, Kira, Hondo, Anaka from Clone Wars and Rebels, and then the, uh, I'd say a fan favorite, IGD-8, all in the same episode. And I really liked it. I thought it was super cute. Like I said, Hondo is just, he's just a great character, and I love seeing him on screen. Hondo always steals the show, and I feel sort of guilty mm, yeah. that yeah. I'm talking about Hondo in the Kira episode, but... <laughs> Hondo always steals the show, no matter who he's with. He was really funny. These have been, I agree, the Forces of Destiny have been pretty good. They're not, I think they could have gone cheesy very easily, and they're not. They're fun, and there's a lot to unpack in them if you want to, right? The one with Ezra and Ahsoka, I adored. This one has Kira's history with the Crimson Dawn, a little bit of what she was up to, and she's involved with these bounty hunters, so I liked it. I thought it was, you know, amusing, and the dialogue was really snappy. I feel like anyone who writes Hondo just kind of gets permission to be funny, and that's always <laughs> valuable. Yeah, I pretty much agree 100% with Megan. Kind of stole all the words out of my mouth, out of my earth early morning mouth um no it's fine <laughs> i just like hondo being in these things which again like i feel we're talking about hondo and it's forces of destiny and it's about kira but it was a good episode i'm glad because i think was our last episode i believe it was forces the last destiny? episode of season oh wait our last episode yeah our oh, last episode. yes I, I think so yeah 
Yeah, because I remember at the end of that, we were like, we don't know if there are more coming, but we hope there are. And I'm <laughs> glad that they have been releasing more since then. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and when I was asking Megan this on via uh, text message, I think, or um, or something, and I remember asking her, do you think that was actually Amelia Clark? Was that actually her voice? Because I kind of felt she didn't really talk much in the episode. I felt like Hondo did most of the talking and maybe that was by design, but I, I, I kept like listening. I'm like, is that Amelia Clark? Is that really her? I just, I didn't know. Cause like, she barely, she only had like a couple lines where Honda I felt like had like 10, 15. Did you guys pick up on that at all? That it's- I mean, I do agree that it was definitely the Hondo show. Yes. I don't know whether it was Amelia Clark or not. If, if I was wise, I would have taken the opportunity to look that up. But now I have been forbidden from typing, so I can't. You, you can um- type. <laughs> don't let me stop you. <laughs> so... I think I agree with you. Um, I Her accent is a lot of fun. This movie was full of like what I think of as the Coruscanti accent, but just means British. And I like that. <laughs> but yeah, Hondo definitely, I don't know if he had more lines, but he was the focus of this. And the only reason that that doesn't bug me more than it might is because Hondo does that to everyone. Yes. That is a universal Hondo fact. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point, actually. Yeah. It's a great point. And I felt like the way Kira handled everything was, I thought it was perfect with Hondo. It, it was great. IG-88 was a little underserved, in my opinion. That's just, yeah, I, of I, course. Yeah, but that's just, that's just me. That's just me. It showed Kira's cleverness and how quick she is yes. and also how her history impacted her job, basically. I don't want to spoil things, but I think it was really in character. It mm. actually gave me a little more of the history that I think the most wanted the novel might give and that I wanted the movie to give um, – you know, there's it's two minutes worth, but it's something in this episode. No, that's a great point. I didn't because yeah, it focuses on her. Mm-hmm. You get you get more. It feels like, which is nice because I feel like I didn't actually get that much of her from the movie. Ooh, but this shorted shots which, fired. I liked. Oh, oh no! Uh, I, so many feelings, but <laughs> I'm gonna be the one that always is like, we should talk about this later. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a little foreshadowing for you, audience. So. <laughs> All right, so moving yeah, on. we know how movies work. Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Does it count as foreshadowing if you're like, this is coming up? <laughs> well, it is. I mean, you're just verbal. You're just telling people. You're just telling no, people. Yeah, I don't think that. Never mind. I, I guess you could say it's foreshadowing because I, I, I foreshadow an argument happening in the future. Uh, <laughs> how about uh, that? Yep, I see that <laughs> Because argument. Yes. I'm going to put a little highlight on that part of my notes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So moving on. we uh, So we're going to have a, a, a more direct, longer episode dedicated to this book. But we felt that we needed to kind of talk about it a little bit cause, because it's been out for a while. Is, is Star Wars The Last Shot. This is about... Han and Lando and Chewie with uh, some other people kind of teaming up and kind of facing an old threat that they both had kind of run into at different parts of their lives. Just kind of doing a basic overview. I thought it was a, a pretty solid, pretty good book. It's probably, you know, one of my more, one of my favorite, I'd say, even top five favorite of the books to read. Even, wow. even, really? I would, huh. Yeah, just because, you know, a lot of the books haven't wowed me. This one I liked a lot, even though I, I, I'll tell everyone the truth that... I got really busy and I kind of forgot to finish it. I was like, oh, yeah, finish this book. So I'm not sure what that says necessarily 
if I like loved it, loved it or what, but I will say I, I blew through it, uh, pretty fast. Um, you know, I probably, you know, for me, which I, I had probably most of it read in a week or listened to in a week. And that's hard for me because I'm, I'm a really busy person. It's pretty impressive for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I take my time. Even with audiobooks, it's hard. It's just really hard for me because, you know, my, my ride home there and back is usually, you know, my best times to do that. And when I do some, and lately I've been calling people and trying to get work stuff figured out. So it's, I've been busy. I've been really busy, but uh, I, I, I really like this book. Um, I think for me, if you love Han and Lando, then this is a must, must, must read, in my opinion. Great stuff. I I think, you know, there was a couple kind of, it gets, it may be a little bit too long, maybe. Maybe that's probably maybe the main problem with it. But I would say for the most part, it's it's a great read. And uh, like I said, it's one of my more, like, more entertaining books to read. Lando and Han, if you like those two characters, this is a must pick up. Ladies, what'd you think? It was definitely entertaining. And I agree that if you like Han and Lando, you're going to want to pick up this book. The spirit of their adventures is definitely in this. Uh, that said, I think its entertainment is a little bit shadowed by how quick it is, which I don't want to be down on it because the like it takes a lot of work to write a book like this. Like I almost hate saying like I'm working on a novel right now. I hate saying this book went by quick because like this book did not go by quick for the author. And and I know that and I appreciate that. <laughs> but I read it relatively fast and found it to be a lot of fun while I was reading it. I really liked some of the space battles. There were like the Millennium Falcon, you know, is doing its Millennium Falcon thing. There are really cool space battles. There are a lot of like extravehicular spacesuit jetpack sort of fights, which were very cool. But it was kind of, it didn't go as deep into some things as I wanted it to. It did have some great examples of essentially calling out in-universe prejudice. The scene with the Gungan, which I think a lot of people have oh talked God. about on Twitter. but And I don't want to spoil it if you haven't read it, but it's so good. And then L3, it talks a lot about like her beliefs in terms of what droids should and should not, well, more like should be allowed to do, and how they are their own people. I really liked L3 in this book, possibly more than I liked her in the movie. Yeah, um, Those were all good. Uh, the big problem I had with it was, number one, some of the language was really casual. There was a lot of slang and sort of, there was a lot more like basically talking about sex than I expected in a Star Wars book, which is, I think, par for the course for, for some of the just the scenes that happened but it's just not to my taste and the uh the villain was like almost good there was this really <laughs> like pulpy creepy villain who also didn't quite feel real like he occasionally just like mm. got goofy right when it could have gotten really dark and i think that that was a and i think that was intentional to a degree it's it's so pulpy it's like the the names are so pulp and like all that's really intentional i think but he came off as silly to me rather than scary so that's my quick review um so you are aware den of geek does not have a full book review out for this because a certain person myself was kind of swamped at the time uh but we do have a lot of solo coverage so if you want to check out coverage of the movie of some of the stories behind the characters that's all available and hopefully we will talk on this podcast about last shot more going forward Saf, what uh what are your feelings i know you were really excited for l3 and there were some parts in this where i was like Saf is gonna love this and i'm not sure if i was right what what do you think i think i should have finished the book before i seen before i saw solo i think mm. <laughs> but no there were some parts in there that i really loved with l3 um and the droid stuff in particular 
I liked this book. What book was it? In the expanded universe in Legends. And not Annihilation is not the right one. I'm just thinking of the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like the old Republic kind of era where there's like a team up, Fatal Alliance, something like that. Anyways, there's a book in Expanded Universe that has like weird robot stuff as its like main antagonist thing. And this kind of gave me flashbacks to that. And I really liked that book. So in terms of that, I was like, ooh, I like what it's doing with the villain. But I agree, he got really goofy sometimes. And I feel like this book kind of did that sometimes. It would get like, close to being more of an adult kind of serious thing and they would kind of veer away from it into goof which is I mean it's a pulpy book so I get that Um, and it was a really fun read but it didn't quite hit that kind of expanded universe novel that I really love which I think kind of comes from being more of a mm, I don't want to say thoughtful book because that's not it it's just a bit more like meditative on its subject I guess which is like Twilight Company I bringing up the Twilight Company reference straight up for me. Uh, but I did enjoy it. And it is Hang a on a movie. second. Yes. 17 minutes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. If you like Han and Lando, this is a very good book for you. Uh, but don't go in expecting, like, a deep read into Star Wars or anything. It's just a fun pulp adventure. All right, all right. Well, like I said, everyone, we're going to be coming back to this episode or to this oh, book. I have more things to say. Oh, I'm sure. I, Paul, you... I want. I do want you to say what you said earlier about mm. the audiobook because I think that's cool. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh. So yes. So I and I, I apologize. I'm going to butcher some of these people's names. I forgot the lady's name, but the book is set up in three different kind of time periods. Um, there's one with Han and Chewie, and then there's one with Lando and L3, and there's one more of the current day of when the book takes place, and, and it, they kind of go back and forth. And every era has, or every time period has a different um, audiobook uh, like narrator. So there was Marques Thompson for the first one for the main story. the The writer of the story, um, who Daniel Jose Older, he actually does the old Han and Chewie timeline. And I forgot the lady what her name is. Uh, I feel bad, but she does Lando and L three. So you get these different perspectives of of these narrations, and it was really really cool. So when you knew when the, when one person came on. It was like, oh, like that's this is Lando now. This is Han. This is you know, or this is the current timeline. It was really cool, and I thought it was a really clever idea um, to do it, and it definitely kind of made things fresh, if you will. Because if you had, you know, it's and don't, don't get me wrong, it's not like having the same narrators is a bad thing, but it just kept it kind of lively, you know. So it made it really cool. So I, I'll kind of get more to the nuts and bolts, and maybe I'll, I'll ask the. The, the people who made it, if I can uh, do some clips perhaps for some in the next episode we do, because there's some really funny lines I'd love to, to share with everybody. So we'll see what I, what I can do. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really cool. I, I think I highly recommend the audiobook because of that, that reason, those three different people doing the narration. So definitely. That's, ha- uh, that's really cool. January love boy. That's is January. The third narrator. Yes. And January has done other star Wars books as well. So I believe she did uh bloodline. That she and she's a great, great uh, narrator. All right, so I think moving on, we can move on from from last shot. Let's see here. We've got most wanted now. Th- now this book, most wanted, really fast. This is another new young adult novel that just came out. Star Wars Most Wanted. It's about. It's 
out? It's out. Came out Friday, same day as the oh, movie. I'm a terrible podcaster. No, 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 no. It's it was it was kind of they didn't really broadcast this one as much. It seemed like it was kind of under the radar. I mean, I and for those who know, I, I collect these books and, and put them in. I'm trying to put them in a chronological order with like the movies and the and the video games. So my canon shelf, I have to know what's coming out and be on top of it. But to be honest, I haven't heard much, and they didn't release an excerpt until what this couple days ago so it wasn't like it was a uh you know something they've been promoting a lot it just kind of was under the radar like there's also a chewy book um i forgot the name oh my gosh the name of the forest but it's like chewy and like something forest is another book that just came out that kind of no one maybe it's more of a middle grade novel but like not a lot of people know about that one so they kind of this one's kind of under the radar but anyway uh I've read one chapter and I'm into it and without getting into super details, it just takes place about Han and Kira growing up on Coruscant and their little, uh, you know, we'll just say their gang, if you will. We'll, and we'll get more into that in, the, in this episode with the movie. But, but yeah, I, I really like what, what's going on. And part of that's probably because I, I really like that part of the movie, but yeah, did you guys, you read, a, you read the excerpt, right? Megan? I, I did read the excerpt. It was fun. I don't have too much to say about it, so I'm looking mm. forward to more. All right. Well, yes, we, we will probably, at least at some point, review that uh, that book. So without further ado, the good old Solo a Star Wars Story review. And then this is probably going to be a long... We're going to have to talk about this a lot, because this movies are always a good, you know... What's the word? Uh, talking point, yeah. and we'll take. We'll talk I about got a new Star Wars movie, man. Got to talk about it. Yeah, so yeah, it's... it feels like it's something we should cover, huh? Yeah, it should. It should be. So no, this <laughs> is gonna be. This is. Gonna, I'm really excited because after Last Jedi, Solo: A Star Wars Story seems like a perfect follow up. Now, I'm not sure if putting it out six months later was the right thing to do. You know, felt weird yeah. going to a Star Wars movie like at that time. Yeah, mm. Six... I wonder if that's part of where the fandom fatigue is coming from. Because I have seen like there hasn't been as much hype around it as other movies, and I think part of it is because of other things, and part of it is because there already there was a Star Wars movie six months ago. Yeah, we're I, still I, I like wonder... recovering from that because <laughs> yeah. it came out of cinemas like a couple months ago. Like it was pretty and recent. It, you know, shook up the fandom. So yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be weird having, like, what, 18 months until the next movie? Yeah. It'll be the longest we've waited in a while for a Star Wars movie. So, 2019. <laughs> well, 2015, yeah. Yeah. So, Which is incredible. Yeah. In itself. Well, I'm kind of looking forward to that, honestly. Uh, you know, I, I and that's and that's what's kind of sad is because I kind of feel the same way. And not because I, I didn't like Solo or, or anything, but it's just because it just seems like, huh, I, I feel like Marvel can get away with multiple films a year because you can scale them down and make them small, like like an Ant-Man, no pun intended. But like in like Spider-Man Homecoming, another another reason. And you can make less big scale uh star wars movies that's not a problem but the problem is is that people expect like the best out of star wars films and and marvel and superhero movies don't have the same i'll be honest in my opinion i don't think even the mcu has the same standards as star wars does when it comes to special effects i mean remember like star wars even with the prequels was groundbreaking at the time with the cgi use so i mean there's yeah. it. Star Wars is a big deal, and and I, and I just think that always that, feels like it should be like a big event kind of thing. Exactly. And maybe that's just like me putting my expectations on. No, the Star I agree Wars, with but you. That's just how it feels to me. 
and like solo didn't feel like a big event neither like the nor the movie itself when I watched it um and that kind of felt weird I didn't actually go to the midnight screening of it partly because I'd had a really bad day and I was tired um, because of deadlines mm-hmm. but I was so torn on the idea of not going to a Star Wars midnight premiere and the next day I was like huh I don't actually feel that bad about missing that <laughs> like I, I'm obviously going to go to the midnight premiere of like episode nine and probably the next anthology if it's something I care about but this film just it didn't feel like a big deal well, and it definitely felt different, and I wonder if this is the start of the tentpole movies, similar to the way Marvel does with the the team, the tentpole team ups, yeah. and then there are smaller movies in between. I wonder if the Star Wars fandom, and I say fandom because, frankly, I'm out of touch with people that aren't obsessed <laughs> with them. Like my parents aren't hyper focused on, well, this one's in the saga, and this one's not, and this one's coming out this day. I think there's going to be more of these movies that are not necessarily tentpole movies. They are not really smaller scale in terms of plot, maybe, but they're simply they're the appetizer for the tentpole saga movies. And mm. I'm curious to see how it will do at the box office, not necessarily because I want to compare it to other, you know, blockbusters, but because Disney will have to shift their budget planning around how the general movie going audience receives the in-between films, the story films, right? So I'm just curious as to where it's going to go. Rogue One was a big event because I think partially because it's such a unique look. Solo has a good look, but it's it's like the very classic original trilogy where Rogue One kind of does the bills itself. It's going to look different. It's the OT, but it's going to have yeah. this different feel. Whereas Solo was, it's the it's a character you know it's a character you love it it does look different we'll go into that a little bit it's the dark times instead of the ot but for the average not even average movie over like for the non-obsessed star wars fan right it's not as different as rogue one was and yeah and I rogue think... one kind of has a thing of like being we're gonna find the plans of the death star like that's quite a big thing where solo is yeah. like oh it's just it's solo becoming I solo do, i don't want to like I don't want to be like there's I don't consider it ranks of fans. You know, I'm not saying like this type of fan thinks this, this type of fan thinks this. I think that can be a problem if that's construed and like that's not what I mean. Mostly I'm looking at how Disney might budget for this depending on Star Wars's presence as a huge pop cultural like obsession versus now a Star Wars movie might go by with a little, you know, it's noticed but it's not shaking America. Like I think honestly a lot of them do. Well, if if I may, here's what I think. I think that Rogue One and I and Rogue One's my favorite of all. It's still my favorite of all the Disney movies have come out of the new Disney canon, if you will. I love Rogue One. I think Rogue One is a is is one of the best Star Wars movies. It's so good, and I also think that Rogue One had the benefit of being the only second Star Wars film to be released. In that setting, in a year apart from The Force Awakens, which was coming off a $2 billion, Mm. you know, massive, like, you know, huge thing where it didn't divide fandom, if you will. It maybe had been the start of dividing the fandom. I don't know. But at that point, yet a year away, the Star Wars hype was real. Everyone was still reeling from Star Wars returning, quote unquote, returning, though, you know, it had been back since 2000. Five and Revenge of the Sith, but a lot of people acted like it was a second coming and had, we hadn't seen it in 30 years, but whatever. But my my point is, I think mass audiences were kind of more ready for Star Wars. Like, okay, another Star Wars movie. That's cool. Let's do it. And I think 
with solo it's it's good let's let's be real it's going up against a lot of different factors going against it and one of them is last jedi kind of splitting people not just fandom like or just hardcore fandom but it split people down the middle of how they thought of it it still splits me down the middle it's, like i don't even know i was at um i was at gdc a couple years a couple years a couple months back <laughs> um and that's like not a star wars event that's an industry game development tech event uh and whenever somebody would talk to me about star wars because like it's obvious i love star wars i'd be wearing like my star wars bomber and they'd and they kind of go quiet and they'd be like hey did did you like the last jedi and i'd be <laughs> like yeah did you and they'd be like oh thank god i did like just normal people oh, wow. were scared of asking me whether or not I liked The Last Jedi. Mm. And, like, there was this moment of, like, I was scared of asking them if they liked it. Like, I was hesitant to mm. ask them in case they hated it and went off at me about it. Like, this is just not huge Star Wars fans, just normal fans mm-hmm. of, like, sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was weird having that experience because usually it's like someone says you like Star Wars. They're like, oh, I love Star Wars. The Force Awakens was real fun and blah, blah, blah. But with The Last Jedi, it's, like, a totally different atmosphere with just normal people. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing. So you have that, you know, with all this kind of just, you know, going on in fandom in hardcore fandom, it's, it's, it's gotten ugly in parts. Oh my Lord. But then now you also incorporate the fact that it's not, it's not waiting a year. It's coming out six months later. So you have a movie that's, you know, following up one of the most controversial movies, you know, or, you know, dividing movies in the, in the fandom. Then you have the fact that you fired the director's, you know, a few months before the last Jedi comes out and you put in a director to save the movie essentially. And you just, you know, you're, this movie is kind of bad. It's kind of already behind in the count, if you will, you know, if it's baseball analogy, it's bad. It's, it's Owen two, you know, it's at that, at this point, and they have one strike left and it's like, man, how do we do it? Except I don't, I don't think that they struck out. I think they hit a double, you know, I don't think they, was it a home run for me? It was a home run. But, like, I think as a whole, I think they hit a double. I think it's a solid, like, I think objectively, if I'm taking my rose-colored Star Wars glasses off, I think it's a solid film. I don't think it's terrible by any means. And it's just a sad thing because I think this movie has, again, you look at all those factors going in, there's a negative connotation to it, which I almost think is unfair, you know? Yeah, I agree. I hated having this kind of iffy negative feeling about it before even going into it just because of everything in the last year i had like made me feel about the fandom because usually before a movie comes out like whether or not the fandom's really agreeing on things there's the still united feeling of being excited for a new movie and solo just didn't have that there were people already being like this is going to be a bad movie because nobody cares about solo before it comes i'm not subtweeting anyone that's just some of the sentiment no, i saw totally like and having that negative kind of atmosphere around it beforehand kind of did affect how i went into the movie which sucked because i want whether or not i enjoy a star wars movie in the end i want to go into it excited though to be fair if i'd gone to that really excited i don't know how i would have felt at the end of it but still <laughs> i want to have that atmosphere before the movie whether or not i enjoy the movie because that atmosphere is something i live for like everyone being united absolutely the hype for a movie is the best thing i did not go to see this with the usual group that i go to see i have like a pretty large group of people in new york city and we see the saga films together and we saw rogue one together because of I think both scheduling things, but also this sort of apathy or hesitance about Solo. We did not see it together. I saw it on opening night with, you know, other friends. So I knew like six people in the theater, but it was not the usual Star Wars hype crowd. And I felt like 
basically just before the the trailers began, I kind of turned to my friend and said, like, whoa, like, we're seeing a new Star Wars movie that we've never seen before. And that I had, like, the five minutes of the anticipation that I would normally have for, like, three months. I, you felt it. It just was shorter, you know, compressed. Yeah, I know what you mean. So so basically, I, I, I guess we should talk about, you know, kind of the lead up and kind of what's surrounding the film. Let's talk about if we, you know, what we thought about the film in general, as if it's good or bad. And, you know, I guess I'll kind of start off by just for me and say that I love this movie. Like I said, I, I think this movie is, if I look at, look at it from a star Wars perspective, the, the hardcore star Wars fan in me, I just love, it's hard for me to find a negative thing. There's nitpicks here and there. Sure. Like what we'll get to what you think you, get, you you ladies will think it's funny, but um, but but for me, I think that this movie is just a perfect Star Wars movie in a sense to where it is light, it's not heavy, and it most to me it most um, kind of aligns with George's original vision of Star Wars, in that it's meant for like twelve year olds and it's just a very light, not heavy kind of fun movie adventure. And, and I hate saying the word fun because I almost feel that's a negative connotation mm. to it. Like, oh, yeah, it's... There, there definitely can be. It's like a I, I feel weird. And I'm saying that, too. Like, it's it's almost mm. like you're looking down on it. But it's but that's and I want to make that very clear that it's not meant to be like, oh, this is light. No big deal. No, it's just it's something you can just go in and have a good time with. And it's not something you have to really think a lot about. It's not going to let you make you leave the theater going, well, what about this? I mean, there is some draw. I think there's some jaw dropping moments. Which we'll I mean, get... there's a couple things where you'll come well, up and be like, whoa, what? Yeah, you'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get, yeah, we'll get to those. But I mean, but for the most part, you're not going to pull it apart like The Last Jedi, which has so much to pull apart. Exactly. It's a movie that you can just go watch and go, ah, that was good. Like that's, that to me was what, what it was. Um, I would, you know, a lot of reviews that I read for people that had watched it, they just said, a lot of them said, I smiled the whole time. And that's exactly what happened to me. I smiled the whole time. It was so much, there was so much stuff in it. There was so much stuff in it that I just could not help but love like, you know, the first meeting between Han and Chewie, um, you know, think, you know, seeing the Falcon for the first time. I mean, these are big moments in Star Wars and they delivered, in my opinion. So, you know, we'll get into the more of the spoilery thoughts of things. Um, a, a couple things really fast is I was surprised of how much I love the supporting cast. I wasn't really sure what to think of Woody Harrelson's character when he was cast and in the previews. I'm like, he looks like a run of, you know, run of the mill mentor character that's going to be dealt with at some point down the line. But I ended up really I like loving the character to uh, Tobias Beckett a lot, um, which I was not expecting. I just felt like, you know, and Kira was great. I felt uh, I thought, you know, Emma, Amelia Clark, you know, she gets a lot of um, a guff for her acting sometimes. And I thought she nailed Kira. So yeah, same. I'm not usually a huge fan of Amelia Clark, but she did Kira really well. Yeah, I, I just think she was she was perfect for the role, and so all these things together, I you know, I, like I said, I loved all the support, most of the supporting characters. I mean, it was it just was a fun ride, and I just I don't know, I, it was, and I think well, the biggest thing before, uh, before like, when you um, take over, but one of the things I think that's not being said enough 
is the job that Al, Alden Ehrenreich did in this movie. And he, now he had a lot of, ne- not a lot. There was some negative stuff going about him going into this movie. And, and there were a lot of people like on YouTube and on Twitter and rumors flying out saying that Disney is scared to put this guy in their, you know, in the trailers because he's not a good actor. He had to get an acting coach on set. Blah 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 blah. You know, just any l- actor who's trying to do I know. that should have an acting coach. Like, no, I on. agree. No, exactly. So, you know, that being said, I just was like, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna see his interpretation of Han. He's not gonna be Harrison Ford. I walked in, saw it, and I let you know, thinking, you know, I thought Donald Glover was gonna steal the show like completely. Like it was gonna be like no, like no. No bones about it. Like this, Donald Glover's gonna go in and be amazing as Lando, and then like it, it would just it, all of them would be like just kind of in the corner and make everyone be like, "Ugh, put Lando back on." Though Donald Glover was great and awesome and amazing as Lando, at the same time, Alden held his own, and I felt he was he was the star of the movie, and I felt that he yeah. nailed Han Solo. So yeah, well, you guys I go didn't know what I expected for that because i kind of i don't have like visual memory so actors faces kind of blur away from me unless they're in star wars because i watch star wars a lot uh so i wasn't sure how i was gonna feel about like having a different character playing a character i knew so well the moment he started talking and acting like i just forgot about harrison like i mean not in a bad way but like i i didn't constantly judge him against harrison or anything i just fell into the role and i was like yeah he's han he's a young han um and it was it was really good. I didn't know what to expect from that. And especially because, like, I don't have a strong sense of Han's character to begin with. Because he's not one of my favorites. He's just kind of, like, he's a cool guy in the movies. And I think Alden played it really, really well. I was not surprised because I did expect him to do it well. Um, I already knew I liked him as an actor. But I was kind of surprised at how quickly I forgot about the other Han, if that makes sense. No, totally. Huh. So I have been suggesting that people should go see this parents friends anybody i have been saying like yeah it's a good movie you'll you'll have a good time like go see it so however the feeling that i had immediately as soon as i let you know stood up after the credits was i liked the parts more than the whole there were so many references that i liked so many individual characters and individual scenes that i liked but the plot overall was not the strongest part of this movie and that means that my feelings about it are very like 50 50 that's not to say that i would give it a c grade just that i can't help but think of it as here are some things that i really love and here are some things that i really don't like and the two kind of never the twain shall meet right so the i think it was really well put together you i could not tell at all that it had been that there had been problems behind the scenes. It just, it was seamless in that regard. The way it was shot was beautiful. Some of it was too dark, but I always complain that sometimes movies are too dark. So the action scenes were good. There's a lot that I want to rewatch. Um, I really loved, there was so much expanded universe stuff in this movie. So many places we've heard about in the expanded universe and that's like legends and canon and now see on screen and the whole time i was just soaking it in going this is what it looked like in my head in the book or this is better than what it looked like in the book and those things were so cool and to hear like those names pronounced was so cool um i really loved uh, donald glover i think he did a great job of capturing all of uh, lando's mannerisms Han and Lando are still not my favorite characters. I still 
tend to go the the kind of criminal underworld is just not my thing. I tend to have trouble lashing onto those characters, but I think Donald Glover did a really great job of just he sounded like Billy D. Williams. He had this swagger to him. His voice was just so good for that character, and I really enjoyed that. There was never a moment where I felt like he was putting on a role, as they say. The villains were good. I think I'm going to talk more later about that, but I, I really like Paul Bettany, so to see him in a Star Wars movie was just fantastic but i thought his character didn't have a great motivation it took until uh the end basically for me to kind of latch on to what to to kind of care about him which i don't necessarily think you have to do uh, for a villain but to me it always helps when the villain has a strong personality so that's my my short review it's one that i i haven't really thought about ranking them it's really hard for me to say you know which am i gonna watch more when i get home that kind of thing but i do want to see it again and i think it's for both people who loved the eu and for those who aren't familiar with it it's a great you know two hours of entertainment there were some things that i had big problems with and that i think kind of knocked me out of the story because i was just rolling my eyes at them and we will talk about that later so that's uh that's all i've got so, so yes, yeah, I, I keep muting myself. <laughs> I keep forgetting. and I keep going. Seth, tell me. And I'm like, why is no one listening? Oh, it's because I'm muted. So, Seth, tell me what what's your general thoughts? You told us about Alden. What's your general thoughts on Solo? Ooh, yeah, I have very mixed feelings on it. I really enjoyed a lot of it. Like, I loved quite a lot of it. But the problem is, it did some stuff that I hated enough that it kind of soured me on the whole movie. So I can't quite look back on the things I really enjoyed. And be like, yeah, overall, it's a good movie that I liked because the stuff that I didn't like was strong enough that it kind of killed that for me. Um, So I've still been kind of processing my feelings about it because of that. I haven't gone to see it a second time because I'm scared, but I am going to go see it again when I'm in America. So I will have a second round that will help me confirm my feelings, I guess. Now I know how people felt when they saw The Last Jedi and didn't love it straight away. And it's a weird feeling and I don't like it. Hmm. I feel you on like having to process because I think uh, I kind of have to process too. It. The other thing is when I think about going back to see it a second time, there are certain like moments that I really want to see, but there are also moments that dragged. And I think one of the problems that I had with it was that it was pretty transparent the way Han was kind of pushed from one problem to another. It was very rote in that as soon as one problem was solved, another one opened up and the themes were also plot points. I was kind of struggling a little bit to come up with like, what are the themes of this movie? Because a lot of the themes are so plot based, like event based and don't go so far into the characters. So I do think it, there was one part and I think it was maybe three quarters of the way through before the kind of finale started where I was just like, this movie feels long. And that's not usually a feeling I get with star Wars. Yeah. I was, kind of surprised by how long it felt i think it's because that first hour really does drag a bit that's so funny like it's bad but it is it it not much happens and it is very much like frustrating how han at least for me how han kind of gets pushed from one thing to the other and oh no (laughs) i was about to say it reminds me of twilight and i was like i'm not oh lord just in the way that like Han has to be somewhere so he keeps getting pushed away from his goals just for that and it's kind of like i'm like just let him go back just let him go back to to Corellia, 
please. I know that's not what the movie's about. Um, but but yeah. it's and that's funny. such a hard criticism, I think, because that's like part of what you're taught in writing is to like always have like always, t- you know, tug the football away, like always give the character a reason to keep going. But it, it wasn't quite integrated as well as I would have liked it to be. It's really funny because I thought the exact opposite. And I think that like The Last Jedi was worse in that regard because there's moments in Last Jedi where I think are just like, oh, let's get through this. And don't don't get me wrong. There's there could have been a little bit of trimming, I think maybe of 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 Han Solo of Han Solo solo solo. But at the same time, I never got like the slow parts. You know, at least for me, I never felt like it dragged like Last Jedi did because every time the Resistance stuff popped up, I'm like, go back to Kylo or Luke. I don't want to see this. You know, whereas with Han, it you know it follows Han, so I'm like, yes, yeah, let's keep this going. So. I didn't really quite feel the same way. It's so it's so funny how everyone's perspectives are different with that. Um, I maybe at some at one point when they go back to uh, Dryden uh, Voss's yacht, if you will, and they're hanging out there, it kind of drags a little bit more because like they've already been talking for a while and they're going to talk some more and they're going to talk to Lando, so it gets it gets a little bit bogged down there. I, I would I maybe agree with that, but. Yeah, I never, I never felt. I felt it was a, it was paced for the most part pretty well, for the most part. So, uh, yeah. So I guess before we get into spoiler stuff, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Just on that point you made about you know just kind of whether it dragged for you or not, I think part of that does speak to the strength of the actors because that's why like it's it's not a book, it's a film. And I do think that the charisma of especially Donald Glover and to me Alden Ehrenreich was okay, but there were other um Fandy Newton had a lot of charisma. I really liked her character. L three was okay, we'll talk about that. But there <laughs> were um Enfys Nest was like one of my favorite characters. Oh and, Enfys was so cool. Yes. And bringing them in really helped it move faster for me. So I, I think to a degree that's just kind of on the actors as well and if it's personal to a degree but i do think it slowed down a little bit yeah and um before we go into spoilers we should talk about the music of the movie because it's in the notes but also because i want to talk about that (laughs) yeah please i i'm gonna like kind of almost excuse myself because i not that i didn't notice the music in this movie but i like would need to watch it again to really have a like serious conversation about it and i think except that the emphasis nest theme which was very different and grew on me it mm. was surprising i always go back to that one guitar section in pirates of the caribbean 2 which i hate <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it where it's just like pirates suddenly electric guitar i hate it but um this did not feel it, it felt out of place the kind of choral thing that happens with Enfys. Mm. and at first it felt out of place to me and then as it went on i adored it so that's that's all you There's, guys go ahead i, I love that that uh, emphasis nest theme mainly for spoiler reasons which i won't get into now but i i love it and i didn't really it's funny because the themes i don't really pick up on necessarily when i watch it the first time it's always the second time and i've seen the, the film two times now but yeah i i think the music was great and that thing was great um the motifs they had that that john williams helped write i thought really good so the music i thought was really solid to be honest um i liked it more than the last jedi to be to the music uh... this at least initially maybe i'll have something to say about it later but i haven't the last Jedi just the last two saga films. I've not been super impressed with the music, 
to be quite honest. And I felt like Michael uh, Giacano, Giacchino, excuse me, and this John, is it Pollard? Is that his name? Powell. Powell. John Powell, I think. They, they've done a great job. They've really nailed it. And granted, Williams has helped write some of these themes in this movie, which it's there. And it's great. I, th- I just think it's a great, you know, it's a blending of styles or uh, of different, different, two different composers. And I, and I really liked it. So, Saf, what's your, what's your take on the music? I haven't like listened to it outside of the movie yet, but one thing is when I'm watching Star Wars movies, I kind of pick up on when the music feels like Star Wars because then I'm not noticing it, you know, like, cause I'm so used to, well, that's a lie when I'm watching like the force awakens and like the force theme or whatever, it just kicks in when Ray grabs lightsaber. Like, I'm like, Oh, that music is so good. But you know, normally I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's Star Wars and Han and Solo kind of gave me that same feeling. The last year I didn't entirely, which was weird. Um, so I kind of feel you, Paul. But Solo, when I did tune in and listen to music, I was like, this is good. But mainly I just loved Emphis theme because the choral kind of thing remind, like, brought me back to like Jewel of the Fates and stuff like that. And it was kind of jarring and weird, but Emphis is kind of jarring and weird when they come in. So I really, really dug that mostly. Whenever it started, I was just like, yes, here it is, the best bit of music. Um, so I, yeah, <laughs> I was just very excited about that. I would just like tap my friend and be like, this music so cool they'd be like Seth shut up and try to watch the movie ah. um, <laughs> it, it was very dual the fates yeah which is why I liked it um, and there were some really cool callbacks like music wise in this movie oh. which are also spoilers I guess so I kind of should talk about them but yeah I actually really enjoyed how this uh, the score managed to tie in like kind of new aspects feel like classic kind of it fit being classic and Han um, but also like had the John Williams influence because obviously he worked on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of felt like a good way to move forward with Star Wars music, but also remember what Star Wars music like did for the movies and the characters originally. And I think the score, when I listen to it some more, is probably going to become one of my favorites, which mm. I didn't expect to say about a solo movie, but I really enjoyed a lot of it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I I listened to a little bit today before we uh, started podcasting when I was working on some Star Wars stuff and you know and I'm not I'm not a, a movie soundtrack person meaning I don't really listen to movie soundtracks outside of the films or you know in Star Wars case when I'm listening or excuse me when I'm reading a novel if I'm not using the audiobook or I'm reading a comic book or something like that I'll put on Star Wars music to kind of get me in the Star Wars mood if you will yeah, it was, it was, really, I was really surprised at how much I really liked listening, listening to it from the, you know, outside, um, outside of the film. So I highly recommend checking it out, um, that the music, it's pretty solid. Um, I even like the in universe music of the, of the yacht scene, um, which I guess I'm not really a spoiler, but yeah, you see in the trailer, it's a, that lady, that sweet lady in the, um, in the gold, like gold head, uh, thing and the gold dress. And she's singing with like a floating frog. It's pr- that, that music was actually pretty cool. <laughs> it almost that felt, was, it was weird, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it was, the music was, it's almost too modern. Like that definitely borderline borderline was a little bit too modern, but at the same time, Jabba flow is completely awful in my opinion and totally modern. And, it, it's it, this blows it away in my at least for me i never was a fan of jabba flow and I, and jedi rocks is not my favorite by any means either so when they all are kind of modernish if you will and i feel that this the song in this is way better which again it's cool that they they, they did something similar where they have in universe music 
um, that's you know different than a little bit alien. But uh, but yeah, uh, I guess moving on, we're, we're gonna do spoilers now. Um, so if you haven't seen the movie, please turn away now because we're gonna spoil a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of surprises in this movie that I was not expecting. So I'm for I for I'm for one yeah. really excited to talk talk to you about this stuff. So we're gonna get into spoilers, and I'm gonna you know we have it break break down or have it broken down. Excuse me, can't talk today. We have it uh, broken down in by characters, and I think that's how we're gonna do this. I think I actually want to. I'm gonna switch things up a little bit. I'm gonna move this to the top because I know you ladies are very excited about this, and that's Infus Ness. I really want to talk about yes. this right off the bat because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talk about this character uh, and said, now that we're in spoiler territory, I can say it's a she. Uh, and and I can say she because I've caught myself multiple times doing that. So glad. I'm so glad the rumors were true. <laughs> well, they, were, they weren't just true, but they, it was totally unexpected of what happened. And I, I for one, and, and, ta- and going back to what we were talking before about the music, I thought the choral thing worked because in the movie, you know, we find out in the movie that Emphis Nest is multiple people, meaning that it's something that's handed down to another person. And I felt the choral made sense because it's multiple people that have taken on that role. So interesting. She's the whole mm -hmm. whole family line. Exactly. That's a cool interpretation. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. Good. She she mentions that like her mother wore the suit before, and I I adore that, and I adore that not only was she female, and that was the reveal, but there were so many other reveals that went with that—that that she was so young, that it was a sort of title or a costume that was passed down, what her motivation was. There were like so many surprises, and I was really ready to like that character because the mask is just so cool, Great and like design. her arm braces are so cool. It, I, it went over and above even what I expected in terms of how much I like this character. Seth? I love her. I love her. I'm really glad the rumors were true as well. Yeah, that was one of the reasons I really like the music. It comes in and it's like child choral music, mm-hmm. kind of feminine. And I was like, oh, it's hinting at her. This is really cool. Um, and when she pulls off her mask, I was just like, yes, I love her so much. Um, I didn't expect her to be like rebellion associated. I thought she was just going to be, yeah. like, you know, a pirate. And when she was like, oh, we're stealing this for the rebellion, actually, I was like, oh, Oh my god that's so cool i feel like she's a character that's gonna come back more in like other star wars stuff and i'm very excited for that i really hope we get a forces of destiny with her i never thought about that we, we totally could okay so yeah, i think once the movie's out and like it's not like spoilers anymore that she's sure. a girl that could happen hopefully maybe you know so i was talking to my wife about this and because I, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a really neat idea. Uh, a couple of things I want to ask you what your opinions of. One, here, let me explain both questions first before you guys jump in. So first question is, do you think Emphis Ness died before, um, like during that whole in, uh, interaction with a train? And that's in her and the, the girl at the end is brand new at it. And the second question is the reason I, I wanted to have the second question is to set up the fact that I was talking to my wife about it and she had a hard time believing that this young kid could be just like an all out baller like she was on the train and be able to like, you know, d- just deal with all the stuff. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, I I'm whatever I I've, we've seen Luke and Leia be warriors at 18 years old, which this girl looks very similar to, you know, around that age, maybe 16 to 19. It could be whatever, but she kind of had a hard time believing that like this, you know, young girl could be just an ultimate 
badass, if you will. So I, I'm just curious. Do you think that it was someone different during that one scene where he, she takes out Beckett? Nah. Or yeah, so go, go ahead. I think it's if it's the whole. I think it's the same girl the whole way through. Okay. I think the music also like largely hints at that. Okay. Um, and I feel like that if it was a thing, they would have made that more obvious just for the movies, mm. like moviegoers' sake. I think like I used to do martial arts back in high school, and there were some black belts there that were like fifteen, and they were badass. They could kick my ass. Um, so if a kid trains, like they can be that cool. Like kids are pretty talented things talented things like they're weird <laughs> things. i don't know kids are weird but like i could totally see a kid that badass if they've like and i imagine they have trained for it considering they're part of the rebellion in some form sure um and their mum seems like they were you know part of that as well so it seems like they kind of got brought up with that uh it's hard to know without my backstory them but i totally reckon like if if some older dude like beckett can do it then like some kid can totally do it Okay. I agree. I also had the, the same thought about because she specifically mentions her mother. That immediately made me like headcanon that it was this matrilineal passing down thing. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just going to pretend that for a while. Mm -hmm. oh, um, I love that. So I also wondered whether her mother died at the train. Mm -hmm. But I, thinking over it, and you know, if you like, correct me if I'm wrong because I've seen it one time, but she flies away at the end. The canister explodes and then she gets everybody out and you see her like zooming away so i'm pretty sure it, it, am i remembering that correctly i'm pretty sure it's this, i, I she think doesn't you're right there. so i thought she yeah, died no, she does get away they did a switcheroo in the background somewhere it's... which would have been kind of a weird thing to do for a movie yeah. like this i think yeah I, I, and i was I was also going to go with what Saf said about martial arts. I've also seen the 15, 16-year-old black belts. If you start training really early, you, which, like, I did not, but with <laughs> yeah, uh, people that start really early, you can get to this point, especially if her mother was putting her out in these, mm. you know, dangerous real-world situations. Yes. I think it's you know, plausible to the extent that anything in Star Wars is plausible. Like, look at Ezra doing his lightsaber training on top of a spaceship. Like, yeah. I think if you do not have a, a concern about Ezra, Enfys is very similar. She has kind of similar life experience, I imagine. So, I mean, yeah, if we could find Ahsoka believable as a character, I feel like we can find Enfys believable. No, no, I mean, no, Ahsoka doesn't do have the Force, but also, like, it's also Star Wars, yeah. But, yeah, it's... Yeah, and, and I want to say for the record, I... I was like, you know, I could see where she's coming from, but I, I, I was fine with it. Like I said, you see Luke and Leia be throwing your wife under the bus. I see how it is. Hey, she. I was just, you know, I was just curious because I think it's a valid point to an extent. Because here's the thing, yeah, her, because no. she's, because here's also the thing, because she's doing not just force stuff, and that's the one thing I'd argue with you a little bit with this one, because with Ahsoka and Ezra and Luke and, and not so much Leia, even though she's really force sensitive. She wasn't using force powers. Okay. Okay. I have a different point then. Oh, oh hold on. Padme in the Phantom Menace. Well, no, no, but, but see, they're not using physical <laughs> stuff. Like she, like I remember correctly. She, she jumps through a window. I know they rappelled up a wall. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're, you're making, okay, but I guess like, I see like this look because Emphis looks huge and she like runs at it. Like Beckett, and, like knocks him over. So it's like, Huh. But at the same time, like, I was like, well, it's whatever, because there's that scene at the very end where uh, Han tricks Dray uh, Dryden uh, into thinking they have, like, they've caught 
uh, Emphis Ness, and she jumps up and like uses her staff to like knock everyone over. Like that was amazing. Like that was awesome. So, and that was a very you know physical thing too. So, I mean, I guess I'm I mean, I'm just kind of arguing for arguing's sake at this point, but. Uh, but yeah, it was just, I just thought it was interesting because the character does look really big, but then again, you could explain it that maybe she has some like, you know, um, extra like, dr- like mechanical parts that, are, that aren't heavy necessarily, but make yeah, her stronger. So... Mm-hmm. so I think there's, there, you, could, yeah. you could argue that as well, which works for me because I loved Emphasis Ness. I thought it was a great character or she was a great character. Um, like I said, I thought it was a good reveal at the end. It was a surprise because I didn't know how they were going to do it. Um, they set her up really well on the train, the train heist. That looked, that was beautiful. I thought that whole action mm. sequence was really well done. We should have Morgan on to, again to talk about this. Yes. <laughs> um, oh my god! I, I also sorry, Morgan. One of the reasons I want to watch that scene again is because I do want to look at her fighting style because. If, you know, as I remember, she fought like a larger person. And I think to me, that means that I'm going to headcanon that she's got platform shoes and some kind of augmentation <laughs> in that suit because she gets she's tall. I think she's tall. But that was like there were football shoulder pads. And that's exactly. Sure. Yep. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, totally. oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel I'm like she does that like, to wool mecha suits. So go for it. Yeah, I think because she's got also like the voice uh, modulator thing on as well. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. she's trying Obviously to give the appearance kind of, of being bigger and like more intimidating than she actually is because like mm. if she looked like a teenage girl people wouldn't find her as intimidating but when no, she's got absolutely. like this big outfit on she looks like an actual threat that's um, a good point I think that's yeah. probably part of it as well that's a really good point i, I think that's what i i'll kind of i'll use because that's and that's what i assumed when i watched the movie like i had no problem with it until we were talking about it and i was like ah, that's a good point i guess you know I, was, I thought it'd be worth bringing up on the show and see what you guys thought but that's kind of what my thinking was too you can explain it away and it also makes sense, too. I also like the idea of the fact that she's been training. If she's been in this rough life, this marauder life, if you will, since she was a little girl, that, yeah, that makes more sense. I didn't, didn't even think about that until you guys brought it up. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, no, that's totally – I can – Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. buy into that. She's a great character. We, I want a, a Black Series figure of that ASAP. Because oh, man. yeah, yes, oh my god. Well, right now they've got they've got one coming out, but it, you have to buy the Cloud Rider, the, the the speeder with it, and that's going to be a pretty penny. So, yeah, I hope they get, they hope they kind of separate that one out soon because I don't want to spend like hundred bucks on a cloud a cloud rider 
uh, speeder and then like Emphis Ness, just, just for Emphis Ness, you know? <laughs> so I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming it's coming. I'm assuming, but you never know. You never know. So, all right. I so, want to see the cosplayers too. I think this will be a cool yeah. costume. Yes. Oh, it's a great, it's a great, it's one of the better, I think more recent designs that Star Wars has put out in my opinion. Like, and I don't think everything in Solo was a slam dunking design. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of Dryden's, like, mercenaries with the, the all black helmets and stuff. Like, they look fine, but they look really cookie I've cutter. I've forgotten what they looked like, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were pretty forgettable. They did kind of remind me of the Emperor's visage, the, the hologram from Battlefront 2. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I. I... Different color scheme. Yeah, different color scheme. It just, it, I just, they're, they're, they weren't terrible. They just were, 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 were whatever. But the Cloud Riders and I think Emphis Nest really were like really cool looking. They were really great. So, all right. So, so moving on, let's go. You guys have anything else to add for Emphis Nest before we move on? Love her. Appreciate her. Same. I would die for her. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. Well, she's, she's a great character. I agree. And I want a comic series about Emphis Ness ASAP Marvel. Okay. And then maybe you can have Gail Simone write it. She would be, that would be a great comic. Gail Ooh, Simone. Cool. Oh man. She would be, she's really, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her at all, but she's. Yep. All right. So do you guys know what I'm saying? Then Gail Simone, Emphis Ness, you can't lose. Right. So uh, let's do that, Marvel. You, you can pay me later. So let's move on to the main character, I guess. We, ca- we talked a little bit about you know Alden's performance. Let's talk about the character Han in the movie. Um, personally, I feel Han Solo was great. I, he, I really felt he earned the movie that was given to him. I loved, I loved the opening. The opening really kind of got me from the beginning with the character. When he's talking to Lady Proxima and... He's kind of just, you know, trying to buy his way a little bit more time. And I just love that. Like, it felt so Star Wars to me because you already have it's almost like it's foreshadowing or calling back or whichever way you want to look at it, I guess. Uh, but it to him talking to Jabba, like a, another like gang lord leader that he's trying to buy time to and that he's not he's not intimidated by these people is because he grew up around it his whole life. He's always had a deal with someone trying to over him, trying to like make him do things for them. And he's always trying to get out of those things. That's why you talk, you know, he talks about going to the Imperial Academy and then, then kicking him out for having a mind of his own. It makes sense. He's been doing this his whole life. So when he goes to Jabba in a new hope and he's like, you know, he steps on his tail and, you know, says, Hey, you know, I got this. And, you know, Hey, listen, I'm not going to be bullied by you. And, you know, and all that stuff. It's like, he's just, he's used to doing this. And I love that. I love the fact these crime Lords have, he's not phased by it. And I felt Alden did a great job of portraying that and sticking up for himself and, and being that the kind of the beginnings of who Han is going to be, you know, turn himself into. So uh, throughout the whole movie, I, I just really felt like I loved Han's development of as, you know, as he learns throughout the movie and, you know, with Kira and, all of that. Um, I loved it. I love that he, he had to learn, you know, it, he learns a valuable lesson at the end of the movie is that when, you, you know, when you leave people, sometimes they won't come back. And I think that's, you know, obviously it's going to be th- going through him his whole life. And I also love the fact that at the very end, he kills Beckett, you know, and Beckett's like telling him like, you should have done this. You should have done that. And he shoots a mid sentence like that was perfect. <laughs> like that was Han Solo. Like that's him. Like, I'm not going to give you that chance. He learned, and I hate saying that it's an origin story, but it really is. You get to see what made Han Solo. And one of the things I'd said 
and I was telling some friends today was that Harrison Ford, I'm not sure could do this, this performance. If he, even if he was the same age, because one of the things I love about this Han Solo is that he's very earnest at first. And as, yeah, and Harrison's not like great at earnest. He's not. And that's not. A, that's not trying to be talking crap about my boy Ford. He's an amazing actor. It's, it's not his thing. Yes, and so, but but, but I'm, I'm I'm curious what you ladies think. At the very end, I feel that he's more like Ford as he goes on and learns these things in his life. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Yeah, I think what you said about he's more earnest is correct, and I was afraid that would be a little cheesy, the line, I have a good feeling about this, I still think is a cheesy shortcut, but overall, you could see how he grew and how he learned some of the things that he did without it being as super obvious as him saying, like, I will never trust anyone again, although I guess Beckett literally says that, but it's uh, <laughs> Han, you could see how he went from who he was in Solo to who he was in A New Hope, Um I also think it reflects well in A New Hope because it shows you both why he left at the end and why he came back. And it does that without being like, here is the re- here is the lesson you learned. Except to agree with Beckett, but he's kind of, you're supposed to not really listen to his lessons as yes. Han demonstrated at the end. Yes. Seth? Yes. <laughs> oh, do you have anything to add? <laughs> do you want anything to add about oh. uh, Han's character in this movie? I... I appreciated a lot how he played it because you can definitely see how he becomes, yeah, the Harrison Han that we see later on, like the mm-hmm. no good smuggler guy who doesn't care about anyone uh, just through this movie. And I wish they hadn't like emphasized so much, like Kira being like, you've got a good heart. You're a good man, Han. Cause it's like, yeah, we already know that we see him in the original trilogy. We don't need that. Like we can see how he acts already. Um, so I wish the movie did a bit more show not to tell, but also I guess it is a movie for kids as well. So it's like, mm-hmm. they got to make it a bit more obvious. So this is a personal nitpick on it. I have, I have a few of those. Han was one of the things I really enjoyed in this movie, which is not entirely what I expected. Because, I mean, we know that, like, I don't love Han. I like Han. So having him actually be one of my favorite parts of the movie was not something I fully saw coming. But yeah. it, it's true. I did really love his Han. Yeah, it was great. I, I thought it was great. So do you have anything else you guys want to talk about with regarding uh, uh, Alden as Han? That's no, not, not really. Like, I thought he was fine excuse me but he was overshadowed by you know other characters to me yeah i yeah, fair i didn't i don't i and never I think, saw that i never agree i don't know if i agree yeah. to that but but anyway i'm sorry staff you were saying something was i oh i thought maybe, no, maybe was i was maybe. going to oh, talk sorry, about maybe. the relationship between han and kira which maybe it's up to you guys whether we want to go into talking about kira sure, and whether that relationship worked for you So generally, I was interested most in her in the last 10 minutes of the movie. Until then, I thought that (laughs) she was very surface level. Part of that was intentional. Part of it was Mm -hmm. she was hiding a lot of things. But she, I'm just not generally into that kind of character that's like really polished and like has everything together. Like I can't, I can't identify, right? But so, but at the end, I loved that you didn't know whether she was going to make the decision to stay or go. And that she went and that she was living her best life as a crime lord working with Darth Maul because, like, goals, right? And I think she made a good decision. Not a morally good decision, but it was what was in her heart. (laughs) And I think there's something to be said for um, she was part of a bad system, right? She was always kind of grew up under somebody's thumb and now she's decided that the way to get ahead is to be under the thumb of the biggest baddest person and 
that is interesting to me as a motivation. Um, I can see how it is also can be construed as a tragedy because she's essentially actively choosing to not be on Han's side. But I thought it was really cool. I thought that she... Because the fact that she killed Dryden was cool, but it was a little bit expected. But the fact that she didn't go with Han, to me, was not. And I liked it. That's about it. I thought her acting was fine, but she had a mask on the whole time, and it was hard to tell whether that mask was a problem with the directing or a character choice. Yeah, I, I kind of have very similar thoughts to Megan. I didn't really care about Kira that much. Like, I enjoyed her as a character, and I was like, oh, I like her more than I thought. But I didn't really care that much about her until, like, the whole thing at the end, where she, like, flips on Han and becomes a crime boss. And I was like, yes, okay, now I like you. Now you're a character <laughs> I enjoy. But until that point, I didn't <laughs> I didn't care that much. I expected the movie to kill her, because I kind of already knew about the romance side of it. I had someone tell me about that, and... I mean, I kind of also expected it because, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> so I was kind of like, oh, they're probably going to... Man and yeah. woman. <laughs> yeah, and they're like both attractive young people and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of expected her to die to be like, oh, she's out of the way, so they can come in later. So I went into the movie, I was like, Kara's probably going to die. And then she ended up being like the only character, <laughs> the only female character that lived in the entire movie, basically. And um, lived. Okay, yeah, Emphis. Emphis too. You're not wrong. But yeah, I... I really enjoyed that, like, twist at the end and with her. Proxima lived. Oh, yeah, Proxima did live. Not that I... I, I think Proxima, Proxima kind of is actually e- even more underappreciated than Enfys, but I'm sorry, I'm not going to derail the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her, her heel turn was one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> her heel turn... Uh... I, every time I hear, I mean, that's what it was. I know. It, I just think it, it, it's just funny. I've said I never forget. I'll never forget when I on a podcast I said heel turn. Everyone who on the on the podcast with me was were huge wrestling fans. So they kept, <laughs> so they kept making jokes about oh the heel turn, huh? And I'm like, is that what you call it? So I mean, it is a it's a term outside of wrestling. It just came from wrestling. <laughs> I, know, I know. It's a great... Actually, I love the term myself, so I, I, I use it too, Saf. So, you know, I, I think I liked Kira more than all of you. I really liked the character because I felt like they set it up perfectly because I thought, I felt Amelia played it very in, more innocent in the beginning of the film and then she initially like, you know, changed the subject when, you know, he talks about, well, you know, what's been going on and she goes, you look good. Like, she kind of just moves on. Like, it's it changed... Change the subject. And I really like that idea that the, the were playing on the fact that she has feelings for this guy. But at the same time, there's something deeper going on. And, and I love how that, that comes into you know, comes to fruition at the very end. Like, yes, she used she used her feelings to and, and use those, I think, to try to get over her boss. And I think those were always there, obviously, because, you know, they have that that one moment in Lando's closet. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like she might have had an ulterior motive the whole time when she knew I can get Dryden, you know, take care of him. So she used this to her advantage, I feel, and kind of used Han. And even though she still has you know feelings for him, like like you kind of mentioned, Megan, she used this to kind of get to the big boss. Like she wanted to be a bigger, you know, a bigger thing than what she was because she has done lots of terrible things. You know, I know they talk about it and don't show it. Well, they actually do show it because she, she takes out that pike on Kessel. By the way, when that scene where she takes out the pike and does like, like that, that martial art move and, and L3 goes, whoa, 
<laughs> there's what she's i forgot what she's she calls it um Taras Kasi. yes Sorry. and that yes i just remembered that was one of the you references yes I was like they actually said it yes and it's a video game i had no idea it's a playstation video game it's yep the, it's a real old game canonized is darth maul's fighting style and that was and that is told to me by my good friend david valdez aka at father's figures instagram amazing toy photographer we were we saw the movie together and he had mentioned that to me going do you remember what the what she called her what you know her martial arts i'm like i don't remember and then he was like here's what it is and and i saw like the playstation video or the cover and i was like oh my gosh i can't believe they went this far out but no i i thought she did i thought amelia like I, i mentioned earlier i thought her performance was really good and i felt like she was playing it very kind of very surfacey. I feel that was all decisions made creative decisions. Like that was purposeful. Like they wanted to hide as much as they could because they didn't want to deliver the fact that I think that there was more going on with her than there was going, than we realized. That's sort of a trope that I'm tired of though. Cause they tried to do that with Hera in rebels also where they were like, she's playing it close to the chest because that's part of her characterization. When to me, it felt very much like the they just weren't sure what to do with her. But mm. I think in this, I, I'm very fifty fifty on it. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and like I said, like I, I think what, if you would had her like go with Han and like after the movie, it would it wouldn't it would be she'd be I wouldn't agree with that. And I wouldn't like her as much. I think when you look at the whole, I think it may I think I like it all together as one. I think it makes sense, and I like the character a lot because of that reason. Yeah, I I, I really liked her. I wasn't expecting to, to really like the character, to be honest. I mean, it's just whatever. It's like, okay, she's going to be a throwaway love interest is kind of what I thought they were going to do, and she wasn't. I felt that she was a really interesting character on her own. So, you know, and I wouldn't mind, you know, a one shot maybe about, you know, Dryden saving Kira and what exactly she did or, or a novel or something. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited about reading the most wanted novels, because I want I want more of Kira and Han's relationship. So it's uh yeah, I, I was more of a family Kira, it sounds like, than you guys. The next character I'm going to throw right to Saf because she's our super droid lover. And I know she was really excited about L3 going into this movie. And it sounds like. It's mixed right now at best. So, Saf, what's your what's your take on L3, Lando's uh, droid? Okay, this is where I get sour for me. I have a lot of issues with L3 in this movie. As we know, I was very excited for this character. So the fact that she was a disappointment is why the movie feels so mixed for me. Oh, where do I even begin? For one thing, I'm kind of frustrated that they treated her whole, like, droid rights thing as just a joke within the context of the film. Like, both the film treated it as a joke and all the characters within the film treated it as a joke. So she kind of came across as, like, that crazy feminist woman who just overreacts about everything. It, just in the Star Wars universe kind of version of that. There was a lot of jokes made about her appearance in particular cool we finally get a female droid because she looks weird they make fun of her a lot for it like just the way that jokes were framed about it her as a character her herself was really cool and i really liked her but they also sexualized her in a weird way where she has a conversation with kira where she like confirms that she can still bang lando like don't worry this female robot can still bang which has never needed to be clarified with a single other droid in any other movie they've never been like hey can c3po still bang like nobody wants to know that it's fine she's a robot so having this weird like sexualization and romanticization of her was just weird and unnecessary and i'm mad about it because we finally get a female drawer and it becomes this just something i knew before the film came out i knew about that line and that kind of i went to the movie terrified because of that she also died for like no reason she had no impact on the actual plot her like life and death didn't actually matter 
And then she, like, gets stuck in the Falcon, like Brain did, and her entire character's point was about freedom and agency and liberty. And so she gets stuck in the Falcon, where she has none of those things, and Lando loses her to Han, doesn't seem to care at all, and of course Han's not going to care. So I'm just like, there was no point to this character except to kill her and make the Falcon better because they put her brain in the Falcon. And so the entire, like arc of her character and everything that the film like did with her character was awful and i hated all of it so much and i'm so mad about it there we go there's my rant wow i share a lot of those concerns if maybe not my expectations weren't as high so i think uh, they weren't dashed as low you know yeah i really liked her up until kind of that conversation with Kira because this movie did a decent job of filling the Bechtel test. Like there were women that talked about things other than men briefly, but Kira and Proxima did talk about their job. Uh, And then that conversation happened and it was, as you said, it was all about like, it's okay. She's still like available, even though she's a droid. And it just came off very skeevy to me. And the fact that whole conversation where she was coy about like, Oh, I don't like Lando. I definitely don't like Lando, but but I, don't, I think he likes me, but I don't care. It was so childish. I, I think this is a case where she was played as her, her gender was a detriment to her when it should have been just a character point. And it was yeah. made to be this big deal when it didn't really need to be. And I was also, I am still happy that they did they went with a female droid and a, a female actress but i also felt that her death was in a way i was like okay she's achieved her goal she's liberated these droids she has completed her character arc in that regard i, I didn't get it all into lando kind of his grief over her was not uh, i wasn't invested in it in the slightest i liked both of them individually but i I felt they should have had more of, like, the Han and Chewie dynamic, almost. We're really, like, close pals, and there didn't have to be that, like, man swooning over dead lover kind of connotation to it. Yeah, I'll be honest, I don't hate it as much as you guys do. She wasn't, like, my favorite character by any means, but I didn't, I I guess, the droid thing was, I guess, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, droids do have owners in, in Star Wars, so... It's just, it's hard because, you know, she's seems eccentric and I think that's what, that's what her character obviously was supposed to be. It was a very eccentric, like, you know, almost unhinged droid. And I, I never looked at it as like, you know, they, they use this opportunity as a female care, you know, female droid to do that. Cause I feel like KTSO was unhinged in a certain way, a little bit. Not as it, as it was, but it was never like it wasn't as intense, treated as a joke in the same way. And it's it's kind of more of a thing of like you have to be aware of context. Like if you're doing it with a female character, like there's already the stereotype of like the overreacting, like right. unhinged kind of female character who's obsessed with like feminism and stuff like that. And so like even if they didn't intend that, you still have to be. And also because Kasdan must be aware of tropes, like surely Kasdan of all people is aware of these tropes. I I feel like it has to be somewhat intentional in that way, which is kind of what's frustrating. But I, I get what you mean sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no no, no you. you're fine you're fine and, and, and remember too <laughs> that his son you know john kasdan he, he was he's all about it was purposeful to put someone in that in the movie that was about you know representing you know rights and things like that it was important to him he had talked about that i think it was made for laughs in some way but like i like only i i feel like it was only when he was interacting with lando and kira were those things played for laughs because in in the context of at the when they're playing sabacc you know, she's like, 
telling him like, you know, why are you doing this? Like, you know, and she ends up taking that guy, yeah, which but is the whole mm-hmm. audience was laughing at that. See, I didn't, I didn't, at least my audience, I don't think was laughing. It was more of, I was yeah. laughing at the fact that she like. Maybe Kiwis are just weird. I don't know. I, I did. I found that scene to be like the most serious she had by far. Yeah, my, my audience took that pretty seriously. Yeah. So I, because when she grabbed uh, Ron Howard. Maybe I should pick a bone with New Zealand then. <laughs> well, yeah, well, they, they grabbed, because he grabbed, um, she grabs Ron Howard's brother you know, and is ready to like destroy him basically. Oh, that him? Yeah, that was him. And, you know, and Lando had to go to him, tell, you know, go to her and say, you know, let leave, leave the you know, me man alone. And she lets him, and lets him go. And it, 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 I mean, you could, you could maybe say it was kind of funny. Like she's like, what are you doing? Why are you letting them do this to you? When like a lot of them don't have, you know, a choice because they're, these droids are fighting each other. And then she kind of steps in. So you kind of establish the fact that she's like, takes us very seriously. And there is some of it's played for last with Lando. I feel that's where it becomes more of a joke because they have this relationship and he knows what she thinks. And he's like, I get it. We, you know, we can only do so much kind of a thing. I admit, I thought it was kind of funny with the relationship where she's like, I know he has feelings for me, but it is just because it shows that she's a droid and she's like, but she's also totally off of, of what she's thinking in her head. You know I mean? Like she's, she's there, but she's, and she has like these valid points, but she's not, obviously there's something, you know, she's not connected completely because she's assuming this that Lando has feelings for her that are romantic, but those aren't there. You know what I mean? Like at least as far as yeah, but we don't know that. Well, yeah, that's how a very human thing too, to me. Are you saying that you think that, or you felt that was a manifestation I, of like her, I, her chips were a little off. Yeah. I think that's that felt, what that's that felt more like her being more free and human to me. See, I, yeah, I, that felt to me like a person would say that if they were like denying their feelings. If no, they no, no, wanted no. to show her that she had a wire loose or something, literally, I think it would have been more well, like K two, where well, I feel like that's the obvious. Humor is based on well, I think it's obvious her, her wires are loose. She's like hanging by a thread on everything. I'm not saying that like she's oh yeah, she had to be a, you know whatever because she's a, a woman or something like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like. When you're close in proximity in that, and like it, it, it's like, uh, I felt like you know, Lando, you would know if if things were if you're that close together, if they had you know a thing for her or, or whatever. But obviously, Lando doesn't because he's talking about a, you know an imperial spy at the very beginning. So I mean, I feel like again, I feel like she has these clear motivations but so she's kind of all over the place again you had the scene right before that where she's like i can't do this in the, if, if you're all watching me it's a weird thing to say that when you're a droid and all that so again i like the human aspect of it but that's kind of more of an eccentric thing more more than it is a human thing it's a human eccentric thing so when she's on the falcon telling kira yeah he's totally into me but i'm not into him it's like to me it's playing up the fact that she's a little out of it because you've already get examples of that. Not I mean, be- I read that entire bit of her being like, yeah, he's into me. Like, if they just keep that and not, like, the weird bit of her, like, staring at the window and being like, yeah, it wouldn't work out. Like, if they hadn't had that, it would have just been, like, a joke of her just being a droid, being like, yeah, this is into me, ha ha. Yes, yes, like, And yes. it would have been, like, and he's obviously not. It's her playing up for laughs. And I wish they'd just done that and not had that weird little bit where she's like, obviously, we could still bang if we wanted yeah. to. Like, <laughs> and I, don't, I wish I don't want this that. to go too far into, like, relationship counseling podcast. <laughs> But I, I'm, I'll say it it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, too. 
No, I, I totally get yeah, it. Yeah, and I think part of it is just because I was so damn excited for her. And I've been like, this is the thing I've been wanting from Star Wars since I was like a kid. Like, this is what I've been wanting from Star Wars my whole life was a female droid, basically. Like, right. it hasn't been a thing. It's been like 40 freaking years. And this is the <laughs> first time we've gotten like a main character who's a female droid. And so I was kind of like, because we've got pretty standard, like, rules for what main character droids are like we've got r2 3po bb8 and also k2 and like they're all snarky i kind of expected leap to fall in with the rest of them in a similar way like i kind of expected it to be more like k2 possibly or right. like even like r2 but more of a human kind of form of that and a lot of her characterization characterization came from her being female which kind of seems stupid when it comes to a droid because they're not biologically gendered anyways i guess i just i'm frustrated that so much of it came from her being a woman, and they brought that into her character as opposed to her character informing her womanhood. I'm really mad about it. I'm really upset about it. I know it's kind of over the top how like how upset I am about it, but also like this is something I've been looking forward to for so long, and Star Wars finally gave me what I wanted and then twisted it to like stab mm. me in the heart with it. I love droids so much, and they are treated as jokes within Star Wars, and that's fair. I understand that droids are not like a big thing, but also Star Wars should stop like affirming the fact that they are sentient and self-aware and like actual people as characters if they're gonna like keep doing this with droids if that makes they sense they could have done a lot more in this movie with that theme of freedom because you saw in yeah. the first scene where han and kira are trying to escape Corellia, which i love that i can even say Corellia is on in a movie and there were droids in that area as well and there was conversation about you know they don't serve droids at this can- cantina that kind of thing and so they're looking for freedom. And Han is also looking for freedom through this entire story. And I guess you could say that the Falcon is his freedom. And that's part of, that's how those two like character arcs interact. But I, with respect to the fact that a lot of work was done on this script and this script was changed many times, that theme was not strong enough to justify the way L3's story kind of just ended abruptly without a resolution same with val honestly and like oh no l3's a droid right and like droids can't die the same way humans can i remember joking before rogue one when everyone was like oh they're all gonna die i was like it's fine with k2 if he like gets shot they can just take out his brain and put in another robot and then he like gets completely blown up with the entire place and i was like okay he's dead But, like, with L3, she got shot a couple times and then, like, full-on died. I'm like, well, she's a droid. You can repair that. That's repairable. But hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on. The, the, now, I think one of the reasons why she didn't get repaired is it's because when they put her in the Falcon, right? I'm not saying they couldn't have taken her out after that. But remember, it was pretty quick that Lando lost the Falcon back to Han. And like you said before. Oh, yeah, no, no. I know that. I'm just like in terms of like killing her. Oh, got you. Okay, I'm sorry. Her giving herself up, like doing a self-sacrifice. I don't think with context of the film of like, I'm not judging Lando. I'm judging the story itself of being like, Ah, oh, she got shot. She's dead now. Like she's a droid. It's different. They've got different roles. If she like sacrificed herself and uploaded herself to the Falcon for like some freedom-based That would be cool. That would have been cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been way better. Yeah, and I would have that would have been instead of her just yeah. dying and becoming an object. Like that's what frustrates me so much. Val's death also seemed to me to be kind of one of those like we didn't really know what to do with this character sort of things. Yeah. I, I was very like I like that it she you know she she chose to do that like it was you could say it was to show like the violence of the scene or whatever. But she was a main character. She was on the posters and she was only in the movie for what thirty minutes. And yeah, I really and wanted also, more from her. Didn't even like affect Beckett that much. I was like, oh, they just killed her so yeah, that be, was like, surprising. And, everything. and he kind of just got over it real quick he's like okay she's like, dead bye 
like Leia and Alderaan. They don't have their time yeah. to grieve. Because he's just such like a grumpy man. It's like, I expect him to at least like snap at Han about it at some point, but he has that one bit like at the grave. And then after that, it's just done. She's not even like, she's barely mentioned again, except when Han does bring her up once and Beckett barely reacts to that. I like them as a couple more than I expected to though. Like they, yes. they kind of work. Yeah. And over to my friend, I was like, oh no, I ship it. <laughs> Yeah, and then, Va- and then he her. And Val, Val was definitely should have. I wish she could have lasted longer. I really liked that character. I, I've always liked Thandie Newton, but she, you know, she did great in the limited screen time they gave her. I, I'm with you. I like their relationship a lot, and I wish we could have got that a little bit further down the line. I will say I'm wondering how much they cut out of the movie because I had the visual guy, and I was reading it this morning. And Val was one of those characters. It says on her profile that she's named after the instrument that Beckett wants to learn to play. And he wants to learn to play in honor of her. And so that's what I'm wondering, you know, what has been taken out of the movie because he says he wants to play the the something chord, the Val chord or whatever it is. He's grieving. And that's always, you know, he even says that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn to play the Val chord after he turns this big heist in. I think that's still there. But I also think that, like, they were always partners, you know, and things like that. And I think that he's – and obviously Beckett is, himself is a detached person because he says, you, you know, he says to Han, you know, in the movie, you know, you, you learn you, – you don't trust anyone and you'll never be disappointed. So, I mean, he probably has some kind of, mm-hmm. you know, disconnection with everyone, including someone like Val, even though, again – We've kind of established they are they do have some kind of relationship, and so and I was ca- curious about that about like how much do they trust each other, or have they kind of decided not to trust each other and got married anyway? Because like that's a I can ship that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, that is entirely something I ship. I really wish Val hadn't died, or like I don't know, like I mean, Bickett's character doesn't work through the film of Val's there because like having those two characters just kind of changes the dynamic of the film. But yes. I kind of wish Beckett had died and Val had been in his place and been like the one of like, don't trust anyone. I wish she had been that character because as cool as Beckett is, I'm like, I just want to watch the Hunger Games whenever I see his face on the screen. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I like Hamish more than Beckett. I'll be honest. But also Val would have like, we know she can carry like a Western style thing. She's in Westworld. <laughs> like she can be the mate. She can be like the mentor kind of character because she yes. does that already. We've seen her do it in a Western thing. Val is cool. Val has so much charisma. Val is amazing. And Beckett's so just, much like, the charisma. kind of typical character. He's his character archetype. And as much as I love Woody Harrelson, I'm just like, but Val... Val. Uh, I thought the whole three of them, Rio and everybody, were really great together. I'll kind of use this as as like a Val slash Beckett. We can kind of talk about both characters because I do. I love Beckett and I really like their relationship. I was honestly not expecting to like Beckett at all, but I felt Woody did a great job with his character. And I was surprised at how much I loved the character. Now, it didn't hurt him the fact that he put on the Skiff Guard uniform that Lando puts on in Return of the Jedi. That was amazing because I love that. I love that costume. Love, 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 love it. Love it since I was a kid. So that probably helped him a little, quite a bit. But at the same time, I love the character. I was really hoping Val was going to make it. I I was pretty bummed when she, when she didn't. And it was... I felt it wasn't the greatest death scene for, but I also like the fact that he kind of used it to, you know, or not used it, but I felt like he kind of, he shows how detached he is. Cause again, he does move on somewhat fast. And I think that's just kind of how Beckett kind of learned to live life. You know, he, he said he lived life long enough as, you know, through me or you learn a few things and this is what you learn. You learn, don't trust people. So I don't know, but it's interesting the relationship they had. 
Also, a side note, uh, I, today I just ordered my Val Star Wars t-shirt, so I, I cannot wait to nice. uh, wear that. So she is and, – and I'm also wondering, uh, ladies, I'm, and I'm with a Beckett comic coming out, I believe in – is it August? It's coming out in a few months. Uh, a one-shot was announced about Beckett. I wonder if Val is going to be in that comic as well. But yeah, as far as, as Val and Beckett, I'll kind of transition to Beckett a little bit. I like the character a lot. I liked him way more than I thought I was. And I definitely think Val was killed off sooner. I felt you, I feel you could have maybe killed her off if you wanted to, needed to. Maybe at the very end of the battle with, with her and him, maybe kind of like double-crossing together. That would have been really cool. I would have liked to have seen her in the movie more, but to be honest. But I felt Beckett and Woody Harrelson was a way better character than I was expecting. I also was definitely watching The Hunger Games while I was watching him. He was a very similar <laughs> character. His scenes with Dryden Voss were interesting just because those two are so different. Like, Dryden was trying to be all smooth and Beckett was like, I don't trust this. Also, I don't know what sushi is. And that was amusing. <laughs> I liked the dynamic because I feel like that was one of the really strong parts of the film is you can kind of see their history together. Like, you can read a lot about their history together and to the way they interact with each other. Like, there's a lot told just through their interactions, which I really, I thought was good. Also, I just really... Whenever I saw um, Dryden Voss, I was just like, oh, I love Vision so much. So I have a problem <laughs> at the moment, and the problem is that I love Vision a lot. So I kind of couldn't detach Paul Bettany from that at the moment. But I really like yeah. him playing Dryden Voss because he was chilling, very chilling in that role. Dryden Voss <laughs> is like, on paper, that is the perfect character for me. Paul Bettany as basically a Sith Lord without the Force being suave is like the ideal character for me. However, I, I was much more interested in Enfys than I was in him. And I think it was just his backstory wasn't as interesting to me. Great, great execution. Like, please, please keep lounging around your space yacht. <laughs> no, I, I love the yacht, too. I thought the yacht was really cool. I, I think, you know, in if you compare that to Canto Bite, that to me is way more high class and is way more Star Wars high class to me than canto bite was in the last jedi i felt it was it felt way more star wars did you have anything to add with uh dryden voss seth i really liked the yacht cool. i know it's not much to add but the yacht was like incredibly cool the whole vertical ship thing i just really love it which is why i like b-wing so much i think but just the design mm. of it was amazing there wasn't i think someone already said that the design of it wasn't like an amazing thing all over in the movie was it here or was it elsewhere anyways <laughs> the design of the yacht was just really cool and i like the little like eu shout outs in the yacht as well like the mandalorian armor yeah. stuff like that it was cool and oh to my other thing about beckett and val hearing the the word gleanselm on screen oh my god just, yeah i died i'm so glad moment... like my prequel heart is living <laughs> what moment of like i heard it and i was like Lululu? what is that and then it, it like registered in my brain i was like oh my god it's gleanselm and i grabbed my brain i was like it's gleanselm and they were like what is that what yeah what is that about? i don't even I know what that is it's the nautilin homeworld so it's kit yep. fisto's homeworld oh gotcha 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 well, that's cool <laughs> so basically he wanted to go to, to star wars beach planet <laughs> nice Nice. It's like shallow sea in the EU anyway. It's like shallow, warm seas everywhere. Would Has that name ever been said out loud in a thing before? No, <laughs> I didn't no. think so because I heard it and I was like, I didn't know how to say it, but hearing it out loud was really cool because that's why I didn't register it first because I heard it. I was like, what the heck? 
and then it did click and Glee Anselm has been one of those names that like whenever I read it it's kind of like oh I can't remember what it is or Mantel like or Mantel and Glee Anselm whenever I see them I'm just like those are such cool names I love yeah. Mantel too me. I same I agree yeah all right so, so that was great that it was kind of like he kind of Mm, it squished it all together a little bit so it was hard yeah. to tell but you got the like rolling L's in there oh man I'm all about Glianzo we've got a few, we're going long here and I knew this was going to be long we've got a couple of crucial things we got to talk about there's three things uh, the first the uh, first thing we're going to talk about is Lando Lando I th- you know for me I thought Donald Glover did a good job I was expecting a lot more screen time with him he wasn't in it as much as I thought he was and that's not necessarily a bad thing but I would obviously love to see more Lando and Han together working together so um, I, I liked him the one thing I will say that I did not like about Lando was the shirt he was wearing at the very end of the movie what oh the hell God, was I that, that no time. no stop <laughs> it it was so I funny always, did you ever see that there was like the exclusive pop vinyl they released with Lando wearing that shirt and I thought that was just a joke they made for the pop vinyls I didn't expect to actually see it in the movie and when I saw it I was just like oh my god it's so stupid and I love it so I, much. I can't take it it's too it's too on the nose with the Hawaiian ass shirt I just you know, on a tropical planet, playing cards in that shirt. <laughs> it was too much. I was like, it took me out of it. I'm like, eh, that was probably not my favorite part. It was a little, I love, I actually love the design. There's a shirt that you can't buy that shirt, exact shirt, though. I would actually wear that shirt. It's so ridiculous. There's actually a, just a, that one of that picture of on a, on a yellow background shirt or a yellow shirt, whatever that you can buy. Huh. So you can buy. And I saw what star, you know, with the star Wars solo shirts when I was looking at stuff and I went, what is that? And now I watched the movie. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my Lord. But besides that, I thought, I thought it was great. I love Donald Glover as Lando. I want more Donald Glover as Lando. What did you guys think? Yes. I really loved his Lando. He, he captured it quite well in my opinion. Yeah, I thought he did really well. Um, uh, like I said before, he had the mannerisms down. I like that he kind of, the fact that he left at the end was like very similar to Han in A New Hope, I think. So it reflected well on Han. I would also agree that, you know, I wouldn't mind having more screen time with him. I felt he kind of took himself off to the side during that end battle, which was in character. But it wasn't the like buddy movie that maybe some fans had hoped it would be or that based on last shot, I thought it would be. All right, so we had a couple more things, kind of some quick hitters. Lady Proxima, I loved her, loved, loved, loved her. I loved her. So I'm also, I'm really glad that we got, like, the female gangster. Like, she's the way uh, L3 was the female droid. She, Proxima was, like, the female Jabba, and I thought that was really cool. Let that character be whatever gender. I think, was she a puppet? Her arms moved Really like a puppet, which I like because it's very like classic style. I Wars. couldn't tell because it was so dark. That's why I kind of liked it. I couldn't tell if it was CGA or yeah. Obviously, it was CGI when the when he when he broke open the window, but she might have been a puppet. I could totally see that. It it looked it just looked really cool. It reminded me of Jabba, yeah. in a way. But yeah, it was cool. You know, something's under the water when Han first walks in, and it's real creepy, and she's like so bizarre. She can't see the sun. Like she's so alien. I really liked her a lot, and I think that more people should be talking about her because I think she had a really small role but I haven't seen like anyone saying like oh there's this cool alien gangster that happens to be a lady and like I need more of that same I didn't even I barely even registered her I think I was still kind of in shock at like oh it's Star Wars That's fair. She's in like ten minutes in the beginning of the movie, right? I love those ten minutes. How cool Lady Proxima was, and I was just like, oh, 
Yes, she was cool. She kind of freaked me out because that kind of thing freaks me out because I'm a weenie. Uh, well, I think she was supposed to be scary. That that means it was effective, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. It, worked, it, worked like, out it doesn't well. mean it was pleasant, but I think she's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. Moving on sure. then. We're going to move on to, uh, I guess, before we get into the, the big, big thing, was there any, what are the EU references that you guys kind of, you know, touched on? Kind of go, oh, you know, you know, whatever. Um, one of the things that I was an obvious one for us hardcore fans was, you know, Beckett killing Aura Singh. That was I really totally interesting. I totally missed that. Oh, people God. were talking to me afterwards. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe they just like off screen killed Aura Singh. And I was like, wait, what? He mentioned what? it really quick in the bar. Yeah, yeah. I totally missed that. I'm Ugh. sad. I like Aura Singh. No, I did too. But it was really, it was really cool that the fact they they kind of brought that up and he said, "I owe I, you know." The fact Lando has a, a relationship with Aura Singh. I mean, that is a story. That Wait, I did I miss that as well? Yeah, Wait, Lando. I, was that implied? I didn't yeah, catch Lando, that because Lando said he tells Beckett. You're the guy who killed Aura Singh. He was like, "Well, I pushed her. The fall killed her." He said, "You did me a lot of favors. I owed her a lot of money." And so, oh, yeah, like a business I relationship. I thought you meant like they kissed. Yeah, like- no, well, if Lando, okay. <laughs> if it's Lando, they probably did kiss. Let's be real here. So that's why I'm. I just missed that it was um Aura Singh because I heard the whole conversation, but I just didn't catch the name. I guess. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I really loved hearing Coronet City and the Maw. So when they said we're going to Kessel and we're going to go through the, what was the first word they used? The Maelstrom, I think. I was like, oh, like they're going to keep the black hole around Kessel, but it's not going to be called the Maw. Like, okay, fine. And then they were like, no, that's the Maw. And there was that super weird alien. And I did, I love the creature in the Maw. And it had the correct number of eyes. And they actually <laughs> used that. And, like, I, lo- I have, like, a terrible fondness for the Jedi Academy trilogy. It's not good, but I love it. And that was in that trilogy. So I was hyped to hear all these words because it just makes it feel a little more real, you know, to hear it, like, said out loud. There's a lot of little things. Yeah, they're on Mimban. Yeah. You know, which is the, the Splinter of the Mind's Eye planet, which is really cool to see at least a little bit of that. I guess, you know, we didn't talk about Chewbacca really, fa- really fast. We got to talk about Chewie. We never talked about him. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) We didn't talk about Chewie. I liked his intro. I I liked his intro. I think that Han speaking Shrywook was hilarious. Yes. The Force Awakens handled Chewie very differently from the original trilogy did. I think it did more of like making him kind of his own person. Yeah. And Han, excuse me, Solo, the movie, did a more like classic, like Chewie's a sidekick kind of. Which I didn't mind. Uh, I don't have like too many more feelings about that, except that it felt like the Force Awakens. They were kind of trying to make an, a conscious choice of like Chewie has his own life. He like has his own opinions and stuff. Whereas in Solo, he was back to kind of being. He follows on. Right. Um, I almost wanted to see the life debt thing, like the yes. beginning of the life debt. Although I guess that's just that. I guess we did because he Han saved him from the Imperials, so maybe it's just that. But I thought it was going to be something else. I thought Han was going to like like because they worked together to save Chewie, but I thought Han was going to like dramatically save Chewie's life in like a different instance. I don't know. Did you guys think the life debt was just from the Imperial prison? I don't think there's a life debt at all. In fact, I think that it's more. It's it's actually even stronger than a life debt that that, that Chewie oh. feels a kinship. Is that, is that only a legends thing now? I think it I'm is. Just, there I'm is sure no- it is. I don't think life debt the novel like actually. I don't ever think- mentioned it being like a life debt. Okay. I think it kind of like, insinuated see, well, that like Han kind of had a debt to Chewie. Even yeah, I don't remember entirely. I I never. Um, so I think a life debt is more like they are best for me. friends. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I thought too, Seth. Like I never like in fact I thought life debt I don't even know what life debt necessarily was referencing now that I'm thinking so, about it. That what? said, I did expect them to actually put in something more with the life debt just because there were so many references in it already. May, or maybe he, or maybe this. What if the life debt is more of an, uh, uh, more of a, a, a hardcore fan thing they're going to talk about in the books or something, and that's the reason why Chewie didn't go with the, you know, when Han said go with them, go. If I see you, whatever, I'm like, huh. And then Chewie keeps coming back. Maybe that's because Chewie knows he has to go with him because he owes him a life debt. Maybe that's what it is, which I'd be cool with. The fact that maybe Han isn't even aware of the life debt. And that would make – that maybe almost makes sense because if he knew he had a life debt, he'd be like, no, dude, get out of here. Like, you need to do your thing. You know, whereas whereas Chewie, you know, feels a kinship with this guy and he also owes him his life because he saved him. I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. You could go play it either way, in my opinion. So and I'd be fine either way. I'd be fine fine with the life debt. But I kind of also like the fact that Chewie just maybe like is feels a kinship with Han, you know. Hmm. Which, by the way, when they sat down together get together the first time at the Falcon, I am not ashamed to admit this. Both times I saw it, I got emotional. Every like both times I got like almost weepy. I was like, oh, like <laughs> with the music, it's the music, them together. I go, oh, it's just like, it's, it just gets me <laughs> emotional. I don't, I know it's silly, but it's true. It's true. Anything to add on Chewy? Nothing. All right. So yeah, I'm good. Okay. So we're going to get to the giant, most biggest spoiler that no one saw coming, obviously. <laughs> um, and that's the fact that Darth or just regular Maul it had a cameo in this and i can't i can't believe yeah you're... <laughs> i mean full disclosure i had heard rumors about this so and i i kind of knew but i was also just so I, I mean i'll also say full disclosure i didn't hear a word he said because i was so like just overcome with emotion <laughs> i really i really and i was like i heard enough to know it was sam Witwer, and i was like okay whatever but i loved it it i I just need to stare at like the age makeup on him for 500 years because we actually saw like Clone Wars Maul in live action. And it's hard to tell in the hologram like how he looks, but I that's like 99% of the reason I want to watch this movie again. Have you noticed my bias yet? So uh, I love that when they mentioned the pikes, I was like, maybe they're going to bring him in with the pikes. But no, it was like this bigger reveal at the end. And he's still up to his pointless dramatics like Pulling the lightsaber in was utterly pointless. I love it. So extra. I love it so, so much. So extra. <laughs> and it was real cool. And I need to watch it again. And I'm. it's a cool, like, Clone Wars reference, too. Uh, but for me, it was just like, here's, like, you know, this character that, at this time, he's established as a crime lord. He's kind of trying to get Sidious' attention still. And he's going about it in the most dramatic, roundabout possible way. And then you think about, okay, well, so he knows Dryden Voss, like, what's their relationship like, and what is, like, he's running this huge criminal empire and these individual parts of it, and then, like, oh, no, like, he's responsible for all this slavery and all this corruption going on, and it just, I, I had numerous, numerous feelings, and Kira's living her best life. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> and yeah, I'm gonna, like, of... write five essays about his dialogue once I actually hear it. <laughs> I, Maul's reveal was actually my favorite part of the entire movie, because it's such the dumb star wars thing like my friends are like like obviously my friends who know me know maul's alive because i've talked about like maul before and they know about the clone wars but like 
just the wall coming back and people who haven't seen like anything within the outside of the movies it would just be such a weird reveal and i'm so into that like it's such a it's such a strange thing um but also like I kind of had the sense early on, like, I didn't get spoiled for it. I didn't know more was in this at all. But I kind of got the sense early on when they were, like, they kept hinting at, like, some big boss who was, like, bigger than Dryden Voss. And I was like, all right, so I know Maul is around at this time and is trying to, like, conquer the criminal underworld. Like, it's is it possible? Could it be Maul? And so when she, like, closed the blinds and the hologram comes up instantly i was just like this is gonna be more this is it this is it and i was just so thrilled um i think i actually like swore out loud in the cinema that's how excited i was about this um but yeah really enjoyed that reveal really hoping he comes back in future movies because just it's i just love the fact that Maul just keeps coming back and you can't get rid of him i just love that so much there were a couple people i think maybe like teens or or you know younger people in the row ahead of me and they were i have no idea what context they had but they were really excited they're just like oh did you see like that's darth maul like pointing it out to each other and i have no idea if they watched clone wars or not but it was like they were having a great time and i love that adorable yes yeah the mall the mall reveal for me was incredible and i you know i remember there I i kept hearing about a cameo from people like there's a big cameo in this movie and I'm like, okay, it's probably Jabba or Boba Fett. I kept thinking it was going to be Jabba and which I'd have been cool with. And then when she, you know, when the guy is sitting in a chair, I'm like, wait, what? who's sitting in a chair? Is that the emperor? That's weird. And then I started <laughs> hearing the voice and went, I know that voice. And then when I saw the legs, I was like, wait, no, no way. And me, yes. and, me, me and Dave, we're both just Obvious like Obvious Clone Wars legs. What? We, we just could not believe it. And then he does reference he tells Kira to go back to Dathomir to meet him on Dathomir. And that was like because I love Dathomir. And um that was pretty mind blowing to be honest. Uh I would love to have a movie set on Dathomir, and the fact he said that was pretty incredible. So, and I guess I have to say, like, it's incredible they did it. It's a great Easter egg, it's a mind baffling thing if you're not into the stuff the stuff hardcore as we all are it must be like what and it's really cool i i love the fact they did it because again you're 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 going with what's in the canon at the moment and at that moment malls around still kind of lurking and i think it's perfect and i think it's what's really cool is that john kasdan is the reason that happened he really wanted to tie into the other things like in clone wars and rebels that all came from him that was not um, that was not uh, Larry Kasdan. That was all John Kasdan, who knows how much the fans love this stuff. They love these references and things like that. It's, I would say it's fan service for sure, but it makes sense because you want to make it all connected. You have to make it worthwhile. And he went out of his way to do that. And I want to really say thank you to him because here's the thing. You don't have writers like JJ and Ryan Johnson to do an extent but um, he didn't really go out of his way to do something like that. But at the same time, you know, or actually, no, he did. He referenced, you know, the prequels and he had, refer- you know, he had Luke say Darth Sidious. That was cool. So Ryan Johnson and John Kasdan, they're doing stuff out there. They're trying to incorporate these things to make the fans like it all connected. Not that because let's be real. J.J. Abrams had one clone clone war reference. And it was very much like, you know, maybe the Supreme Leader should consider a clone army, you know, and that's about it. So. The fact that 
you know, John was like, no, I want to make the, 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 you know, I want to make the boss to be like someone giant. Like he wanted it to be Maul. And he worked with the story group to figure that out. And, I, and there's an article on Star Wars Newsnet right now through um, GameSpot. They had an interview with the Kazdans and he talks about it. Um, I highly recommend checking the article out. It was really cool seeing John be really passionate about this and other stuff like that. So, you know, I have to say kudos to John Kasdan. It's an amazing reveal, super cool, super deep cut. And I love the fact that they kept it in. It was, and I also, maybe it will mean that we'll get Maul down the line because I want more solo movies. I want, I want sequels. I, as much as I think in general, I would prefer the, the Rogue One style, here's new characters. We're not going to do the backstory of an existing character, but here's the new ones. In general, I'd prefer that. However, I would die for a Maul movie, and I will say that right now. Yeah. The moment no I saw that, I was like, oh my but god. I'm so excited for Megan. <laughs> yeah. On Dothmir, please, just like put the ghost of Asajj Ventress in the background, and I will just die immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I guess... It seems like we mostly, for the most part, enjoyed the solo. We have some, there were some more minor, not minor, but there was some stuff you guys didn't like about it, but it wasn't a terrible film. You guys would all agree, correct? Yeah. It was not a terrible film. I think it made some big mistakes. That said, there's also a lot to appreciate about it. I'm still like 50-50. I'm both a little scared and impressed and pleased by the fact that we talked for so long. There was so much to bring out of it. It's really hard for me to kind of stomach the fact that Val's death and L3's death were okay, but things like Kira's decision and and Enfys and just like all the awesome EU stuff makes it also a movie that I can't, you know, I can't stop thinking about it now in in like a good way. The the L3 stuff was just enough to like make it just not quite a movie that I want to watch again. But also that was just me. This is why I should never go into movies with expectations. It hasn't failed me before and I've finally done it and it failed me. Yeah, um, but on yeah. the other hand, you're bringing context. Like no one can fault you for bringing context with you. Yeah, like it's kind of hard because this is a specific thing like in Star Wars. Like there was no way for me not to have expectations for a female during Star Wars because it's kind of my thing in all sci-fi i love this kind of stuff i'm really excited that like my friends like it i'm really excited that people are enjoying the movie because i loved a lot of it but just i have this one issue that is just too much of an issue for me that i can't get over easily and on one hand i'm kind of like this sucks because i wanted to be into this movie like i wanted to be all in and i can't be but on the other hand like i guess that was going to happen eventually with a star wars film considering how many are going to be coming out um and i'll always have rebels and Clone Wars. Uh, but I kind of hope, like, once, once, okay, two two points I have. One is that I want L3 in, like, all of the extra material. I want more L3, because I like L3 as a character. She's a really cool character. Um, two, I hope we get more female droids so that it becomes a thing of, like, it's not just the one female droid, like, you know how the one female character becomes representative of female characters within the series. If we have more female droids, L3 won't seem so bad, because she won't just be representative of how they look at female droids in Star Wars. She'll just be one of the few, and she has these particular quirks within it. So, like, give us more Star Wars, and then I'll be less angry about this, I swear. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, I love the movie. I think everyone should go see it. It's not perfect, but I think it's a lot, a lot of fun. It's a great Star Wars movie, in my opinion. So, um, wrapping up, I guess... uh, Saf, tell people where they can find you at. All right. You can find me 
at notsafwork.com. For me on Twitter at Wanderlustin. You can also find me and Megan on the podcast Western Reaches over at Toshistation.net. Excellent. Megan? Yeah, I can be found at Blog Full of Words on Twitter. I write for Den of Geek, Star Wars Insider, and StarWars.com. And you should definitely check out the solo coverage by myself and Katrina Dennis and John Saavedra and all our editors at uh, Den of Geek. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's. And also find our Twitter, Blaster Cannon Pod. Uh, at, at Blaster Cannon Pod. That's Cannon C A N O N. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We will see you next time with the Last Shot book review. Until then, see you later. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.